1: everyone and welcome to episode 15 of the mom hour voices our regular interview segment that kind of supplements the regular episodes of the mom hour i am megan francis and today i'm going to be talking with jessica ashley jessica is a divorce coach she is the founder of single mom nation which is single momnationcom which is a website and resource for single moms and is also a longtime friend of mine a writer and an all around amazing person and i'm so happy to have jessica on today to talk to me particularly If you've been listening to this show for a while, um, you may know that I'm in the process of um, getting a divorce myself. I talked about that a lot with Sarah in episode 104. So if you didn't catch up on that one yet, check it out. Um, But Jessica and I are talking about uncertainty and stress and feeling out of control and all those things that happen when you are in Kind of a big life change like I am right now. It The show is specifically about divorce, but honestly, it would apply to any big change like that where things are just outside of your control and you need stress, some uh, strategies for dealing with stress and anxiety and, and maybe getting one foot in front of the other and back on solid ground again. Really appreciated her advice. She's an awesome coach and she's actually offering special packages uh, just for mom hour listeners. So if you go to the show notes um, at the dot just look for episode 15 of of the mom or voices, or you can just search for Jessica Ashley, it'll come up that way as well. And you'll have you'll see a link there to go to her coaching website. And she'll mention that again later on in the the episode. But um, there are some great packages there for you. I also want to let you know that in the uh, show notes for this episode, I have a survey because I'm putting together um, a class for people who are going through reinvention. And that could look very different for you um, for from one mom to another. It might be that you are wanting to take on some kind of creative venture. Maybe you uh, want to go from uh, staying at home with your kids to going back to work. Or maybe you want to go from working to staying at home. Or maybe you're looking at making some other big change in your life. And this is really, it's really uh, going to be a course geared toward people who maybe are just ready to take that first little step. And so I want to get your feedback. So there's a survey um, at this episode's show notes that's kind of going to ask some questions about where you are, how much time you would have to devote to something like this, whether you're interested at all, um, just so I can help shape the course and make it useful to as many of you as possible. So please go check out at themomhour.com. Find episode 15 of the Mom Hour Voices. Again, that's the one with Jessica Ashley. If you if that's easier to search that way, and you can check out Jessica's coaching packages and also take that survey. I would really appreciate it. Okay, get on with the episode. Here's Jessica Ashley.
0: Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at VionicShoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet.
1: Hey, Jessica, I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. I love being here. Well, uh, Jessica, in addition to being a divorce coach and the owner and founder of Single Mom Nation, you and I go way back. So um, I want to hear a little bit about your personal story. And then I'm going to share a little bit about where I'm at for listeners who might not know. And then we can kind of launch into this whole discussion. So can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to become a divorce coach and why this was such a, a personal journey for you? Well, really, it was fortuitous in
2: that I was one day on LinkedIn and searching around and saw somebody's headline was divorce coach. And I was like, oh, what is that? And I immediately started Googling. And when I started seeing what a divorce coach is or can be, I really just felt like like a lot of the fuzzy picture came into a clear focus. And that sounds really woo woo, but I have been thinking for a long time about how I can connect on a deeper, richer level with the readers and the people who come to Single Mom Nation. I'd been thinking about in-person meetups and I've been thinking about the many women who reach out to me themselves or through friends, through introductions or just by reading a post, asking for some girlfriend-to-girlfriend advice about managing a divorce or a big breakup and also parenting at the same time. And so that had been really in my head. And when I saw this opportunity to be a divorce coach, It called to me and I thought, this is the way I can really help other women get through those transitions with grace, creativity and laughter and take what I'm writing about and make it a really personal, actionable thing in their lives and and to really be champions for women. Because I think... In divorce or even in just considering that big word of divorce, there is so much happening and we can't always share it with our best friends or our family, or when we do, they might not be able to support us in the way that they want. And it really helps to connect with somebody who has been there and who can offer a lot of resources and help and different thinking. So I went through the training. Um, it was very intense. It made me think a lot about my own journey through divorce and beyond divorce and the kind of person I want to be. And I was certified and now I work with clients who are women who are either in the middle of divorce or who are considering divorce to help them navigate that and and answer that question, what's next over and over and over again with the hope that our lives are bigger and happier and healthier on the other side.
1: And, of course, one of those people that you've been helping along the way, even before you started this training, um, just as a friend, was myself. And uh, if you're a regular listener and you listen to Episode 104, you might know that I'm currently going through a divorce myself. And so a lot of the things we're going to touch on today are things you and I have kind of already talked about. But I right. I definitely think that those are things that um, no matter why you're divorcing, what I like about this topic and the way we're going to address it today is really no matter why, no matter whose idea it was, no matter what the circumstances are, These things that we're going to discuss today apply to every divorce, even one that's a, you know, quote, good, unquote divorce, right? Like that mythical unicorn (laughs) of an amicable divorce, (laughs) even a a conscious uncoupling. They still (laughs) all have these three elements. And the three elements I think that have been the most, um, you know, I've been emotionally very up and down that the um, sort of circumstances have gone up and down. But the three things that haven't really gone away for me are sort of stress um, uncertainty, and not being in control. And really, those things can apply to anybody, anywhere, anytime, um, but particularly in a divorce situation. So I kind of want to start, I think, with uncertainty, because I think uncertainty is the crux. Like, so much of my stress, I think, is is related to not knowing what's next, um, not knowing what a month is going to look like, or six months from now is going to look like. So let's just keep, let's start simple and just talk about you know, stress and, and sorry, uncertainty and a divorce and why it's there. And then what are some ways to kind of help you get through that um, when you don't really know what's next?
2: Well, you know, what's so interesting about these three things is they are really interconnected. Yeah. Stress, uncertainty, lack of lack of control. And I just like, I have this vision in my head of these three toddlers holding on to each other, like (laughs) barreling down a hill, (laughs) holding on to their, each other's hands. If one lets go, it kind of gets easier right? Right. To, to go down the hill. Um, and so when they become linked, then it just, everything becomes bigger and bigger. But uncertainty is such a big one because no matter how long you have been married or you have been with this other person, particularly if you've made human beings with them, Right. you have developed this identity that you feel that you have comfort in, even if it's difficult, even if you're lonely, even if there are bigger, more serious issues of abuse, you have this identity. And to take that identity away is really scary. It might take us back to a time before we had children, or the things that we have done that we feel have been really formative in in our being. And so the uncertainty can just play into all kinds of insecurities. And of course, there are, there are strategies to help that. And one of them is taking time to embrace the uncertainty, to be okay with it being uncertain, but that's like, that's a that's big one to take on. Like, no problem. You got it. Okay. <laughs> be like, uncertain. You're cool with it. right? But, but I also think that um, it is Looking instead of a void, it is looking at all of these possibilities. So over that hill with the toddlers going down, you might just feel like, oh, it's a cliff. Crap. <laughs> but it could also be like this giant forest or this ocean or something that's really lovely, a possibility. So to begin, you might want to think about what would you like? What's the ideal? How would you like to be on the other side of this? Who do you want to be? How do you want to feel and start making some concrete ideas? They're not, it's not actually set in stone, but if you write it down or you verbalize it, this is what I know, and this is what I would love. And this is who I would like to be that can start to give some shape to the possibility and allow yourself to grieve what you are letting go and to grieve that identity that is falling off of you and be as much okay as you can, with not knowing everything. So that's a lot of like big stuff to do. But I really think it kind of comes down to in uncertainty, like, all right, I know this, I know. I'm a great mom. And I really want to put my kids right at the center of this and make decisions that are about their well being. I know that I'm a really creative person. And so I'm I would really love to have some more time to do ballroom dancing or to paint once a week or to have a creative date with myself. I would like to feel financially secure on the other side of this. Okay. So then you have these like little buckets of things or bubbles. Oh, I know these things about myself. Oh, I envision this about myself. You can start to create some task lists or some strategy toward that. Okay. I can start painting once a week now. And this taps into something I know about myself. All right. I would like to be financially solvent on the other side of this. So do I need to be saving more? Do I need to take on a couple of more clients or jobs? Or do I need to get rid of cable for a while? So, you know, I mean, I think that we can start to have build those things that help us feel secure. Once we have the more amorphous ideas about ourselves, make them Morphous, I guess that's we make them. Morphous we the write them down. <laughs> or, I don't know. I made it up or verbalize them so that we know. Okay, this is who I want to be. This is what I'd like to do on the other side. And and the best thing I think to start giving certainty to is who we know ourselves to be as our best self. Mm. It's scary in divorce because we get reactive, we get um, grabby about stuff, we feel vengeful, we have all these negative emotions. It's okay to feel all of those things, but deep in the core of ourselves, we know who we are when we are our best self and calling
1: on that to envision life beyond divorce will help us to have life during divorce. That's really good advice. And one piece of advice that you gave me, or I guess kind of helped me figure out, um, when I was just early on in this and I'm I'm nine months in and I have to say, sometimes I still feel like I'm very, very early on even sure. though I've known this com- for a long time because um, you, the way I think of it is, I, and this is very, uh, this is kind of an aside, but this is very akin to like my personality, the way I do things. It's almost like the four, the first three months were sort of like the first 10 minutes after you push a baby out. There's like, oh, yeah, yeah, everything's and- been scoria. so terrible. <laughs> everything's yeah. been so terrible and suddenly there's this relief and yes, it's like euphoria. It's like endorphins. And so yeah. I kind of rode a high for a few months of just like, well, this is what I'm going to do now. And I'm going to do this and this and this, and I'm going to set my life up in this way. And then there's like that crash that comes like a few weeks after the baby's there and you're tired and all your hormones go back and you're like, wait, what? This is reality now? So um I do want to just say that if anyone's listening to this and Depending on where you are in your journey, you might not feel any of these things yet, or you may feel them again. They might have gone away and they'll come back. That's one thing I Go did ahead. not anticipate is how up and down it could be. But one piece of advice you gave me um, at the very beginning, and and I didn't really put two and two together about how this worked for me until pretty recently, was that when um, my soon-to-be ex and I separated, there was a lot of time all of a sudden. I had time on my hands, like a lot. Like He had the kids more, and also I didn't have to worry about sort of being there for him or being there with him. So that freed up more time than I expected, uh, both emotional time and physical time. And I found myself defaulting to the obvious and familiar to fill my time instead of the more challenging stuff. Like you're talking about like, yes, creativity. I want to be more creative. I want to do those things. But I didn't do those things because it was so much easier to think about something like filling the time with people I already knew who I didn't even really want to spend that much time with, but they were already there or those kinds of things, you mm-hmm. know? So sometimes I think you make the easy choice, um, just or to the not familiar. It can also just be the familiar, the familiar. Yeah. Just to not okay. sit with yourself in the quiet going, what do I do now? <laughs> so right. I, I, you were great at pointing that out to me. Um, and I'd love for you to point that out maybe to people who are a little earlier in this, like what that might feel like if you're not necessarily f- inviting things into your life that are going to challenge you or help you be that person that you want to be.
2: Well, this is tricky because I think just like that euphoria, you know, when you have a baby and you're like, I could have 12 babies. I can do this. I'm a superhero. And then, like you said, a few weeks later, you're like, forget it. I'm never having another (laughs) child again. I'm never having sex. Stay away. You know, it's like one extreme to the other. And it is hard. Exactly what you're saying. It's hard to sit with yourself and say, I'm exhausted because... I want to feel happy because these are the things that have not been going well, but we have that familiar, like if there's been tumult in our lives, like we kind of keep creating that. So to sit still and to say, this is what I can be accountable for. And this is who I want to be. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to go on like a silent yoga retreat. You can do this in, you know, 10 or 20 minutes by yourself. It can be journaling by yourself. It can be like just sitting outside on your porch, being quiet, for a few moments, um, it can be going to bed early and laying Mm. there for a few minutes. You know, I think that there are ways to sit with yourself and to think about who you want to be and let that guide you. And to also think about how are you recreating what has driven you out of a marriage in other relationships with other people when Mm. you have that euphoria and you are free of things Of course, you're going to be like, yes, I'm going to go out all the time with my girlfriends. I'm going to start dating. I'm going to dress better. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Right. (laughs) Of course, you're like that. But what it can end up doing is making more drama and more stuff for us to deal with at a time when we have enough. Right. And so I'm not telling anybody to not do those things. What I would say is reserve some space for yourself. Just reserve some. You owe it to yourself. You deserve it. And you will need the strength Mm. because the reality is, you know, you're nine months in, I am almost a decade out of my divorce and there is still a lot of stuff to deal with. Mm. And I don't say that in a way to be um, doomsday about it. It's just that things cycle back. An example is um, uh, about a year ago, I sold my wedding rings and I had I held on to them for all those years because it was my hope that I was going to do something to celebrate myself when I sold those wedding rings. Like in my head, it was like, this is airfare to Mexico. I mean, at the time it was like a good vacation, but then when I really had them appraised, it was like, there's (laughs) your (laughs) airfare. This is (laughs) the weekend. uh, It's a gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) Um, So anyway, and what I ended up doing was using it to pay rent. Mm -hmm. And when, um, when I unexpectedly (laughs) didn't have a client that month and I needed the money and I had a lot of grief over that. And I had a lot of anger over it and like made these things bubble up. Like I went through all this and now I have to use this to pay rent. And I remembered the words of actually um, Lorraine Laddish, who is a blogger who has a great site called Viva 50. I'd actually interviewed her on my podcast and she said she sold all these family heirlooms to make rent, but then how she got through that was thinking, but I'm taking care of my kids. And that is what I am Mm. called to do at this moment in time. And my grandmother's whose rings I sold, she would understand because she would have made the same decision. And so that became a really powerful moment for me. And I think that that's what I'm saying is we are beginning to lay the foundation of all of the house that we are building up and up and up that will go on for possibly decades yeah. that we will need, we will need the space to rethink and reframe for ourselves. And if you can begin that at the beginning you will be
1: so much better off a decade from now. That's really, really good advice. Um, And I think that it's one of those things that I can get there in my head and like logic myself to that. Like I know what I'm doing. I'm building a foundation, just like you said. Um, These are the things I need to do to make that happen. And then there's the lonely little sad part of you (laughs) (laughs) that is like always speaking at you. So I wonder if you can like, are there... Do you have strategies, ways to talk yourself down? Because um, I, I have found, and this is something it took me a little while to find too, is that the, those, those dips always go away. And that's what I've kind of learned to mm-hmm. ride them because they do always go away. But when you're in it, when you're in that dip or that emotional breakdown or that feeling of like, I just need to latch myself onto something because I don't know what anything is going to look like, then it's really hard because you can't see over that wall, even though you know there's a wall to get over and you're going to. It's like you forget. (laughs) It's like you just completely forget what that feels like. So I wonder if you can speak to that, if there's like any actual short term strategies or tricks for that.
2: I think the better that you can pay attention to your physical responses and your emotional responses, the better. So getting to know yourself really well. Okay. hmm, it's this these conversations about money really make my heart start beating fast and i get sweaty and i lash out or i get depressed and i just want to go take a nap whatever that is beginning to pay attention to when you have those dips will be helpful because then you can start anticipating to them or reacting to them quicker so you may in the beginning know like okay oh i if i feel this way how am i going to like you said talk yourself down I have a couple of meditation books. I have a couple of meditation apps. I have a mantra written on a card. It's in my desk. (laughs) I pull it out. I say it to myself five times. Um, I had a book that um, by Pema Chodron, which has just like little um, anecdotes in it. And I would just open up to a random page. And most often something on that page would speak to me. And I kept it in my purse for years so that I could just open up and, and read that. And it would help. It would help bring me back down to my normal, the normal that I wanted. And then over time, I began anticipating, oh, I have noticed that it's these conversations or it's these situations that make me really nervous. So going into them, what can I do to set my intention? I think I should read that Pema Chodron before I go in. Yeah. Or I think I should pull out that card and stick it in my pocket. And so you'll be you can react quicker at first and then you'll be able to anticipate and you're setting up your systems of support for yourself and self soothing like you would teach a baby when they're learning to go to sleep on their own. You know, it's okay to suck your thumb. It's okay to <laughs> so think I can suck cry. My thumb? <laughs> right. I'm just saying. But I might you know, take that up. <laughs> I really think a lot of our strategies come from the way that we parent. Mm-hmm. And we lovingly teach children how to do this. And now we lovingly teach ourselves how to redo this. And 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 those triggers might come differently or look differently. But the more that we can support ourselves, the better. And sometimes we might need to bring somebody in. So I have a great therapist who's like, hey, what's coming up in your life? Do you need to see me beforehand? Um, And I love that. I love that she knows me that well. And it might be a friend like, I'm going to go do this thing. I'm going to go to court. I'm going to go to mediation. I'm going to have a conversation with my ex-husband about this thing. Can you just text me before and after? Whatever those things are for you that you call in the supports that you have on your own or you have externally, the better you will get
1: at it. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about friends really quick, because that's something that um, I didn't anticipate ahead of time. And I know, you know, everyone says you're going to lose friends and it's always going to surprise you who it is. And you told me that many people actually told me that. And I know it's like the suckiest thing. to hear. <laughs> It
2: really and you is. You can't and
1: believe it because you can't, you can't. You, can't you, just, you can't believe it's that person or those people. Um, but another thing I found is that there have been times in this process when Um, I had to lean less on certain people, even though they're great friends and it's nothing personal. It's just not the person that I need to find or be uh getting vibes from or whatever that I get. I'm not even sure how to put it at that time. And then I also have found that there are really unexpected people that I didn't really know would be such great sources of support and knowledge and just insight. And um Again, it's like I think people can't get there till they're there. But I, I want to talk a little bit about like how to know that you're investing in the in the right relationships in this uh, throughout all the stages. And then I guess again, not to feel nervous that people are going to go away forever because your very best friend might not be in a place right now where they really understand where you are, and maybe you feel bad when you're done talking to them, and it's not their fault, and it doesn't mean you'll never get back. But it just might be like right now you need that like mom. That you run into every now and then <laughs> at right. playgroup that you just know is going to get this or some other little surprise, and that's what the kind of thing you need in your life. And I've found that to be true. And it's been a little odd, actually. Um, well, this really plays into the uncertainty because you're asking, who do you invest in, and how
2: do you know for sure? And right, that's and the you uncertainty. <laughs> you just don't. And and truly, we don't know what's happening in other people's lives and relationships. Right. My experience tells me that the people who have a hard time are already having a hard time in their own relationships or there's some fear there. Like it's almost like they're going to catch it. They're going to catch the divorce from you. Also you're changing. Mm -hmm. And so the uncertainty of who you will become, other people feel that. And it makes them uncomfortable because maybe they're not changing or maybe they are changing. Mm -hmm. So I think there are a lot of factors um, there. I, I think sometimes People get weird about like, oh, now you're single and I don't want you around my husband or there are all of these other weird things that can come into it. It's really hard to pull back the camera and, and to acknowledge the people who are there, who are giving you support in whatever way they can and to acknowledge the new people who are coming in and to make space for them in an open way. But the people in your life just might not be ready for you. It might be, they might not have the resources for you. And, and that's okay for everybody. It's hard in the moment. It's so hard. It might be the end of that friendship and there might be grief and that might feel compounded by the grief you're feeling by having a divorce, but there's also space there for new people who you never anticipated would enter your life. And that's really important too. That could be really enriching.
1: Yeah, and I think I found for myself, though I, I had people who got weird with me, um, there were people who I got weird with because I I guess um – perceived that they were all in very solid, happy marriages and wouldn't get it. And so I found myself feeling awkward talking about it. And so I put this like kind of distance and that's okay. Cause I've, it's come back around and they've been great when I've needed them to be great. It's just like, that wasn't the time <laughs> for that. Like I needed a different kind, right. a different kind of relationship at that time. So I don't know. So that is one of those uncertain things, but I do think, you know, in your head, you can, especially when every day brings so much change Every like, like nine months has gone by in a flash, but nine months ago, had you said like, Megan, what do you think your life is going to be like in nine months? I would have been like, Oh, that's like, might as well to be 10 years from now. I have no idea, you know, and here life has mm-hmm. gone by and here I am and things are different, but they're not that different. You know, it's our, t- right. I think your sense of time gets all, I don't know, all distorted or something. Yeah. Agreed.
2: Agreed. And I think, you know, if we're in a really reactive mode, we might react to people before they even are hurtful to us or they walk away from our friendship or whatever it is, because we might be thinking you're married and you don't understand. Right. And they might, they might really, really get it. You just don't know. Um, and so I think doing what we can to cool some of that reaction And and to be upfront with ourselves that some people may leave or some people may say hurtful things that 10 years later um, we still remember because (laughs) I still have that list in my head. I'll be honest with you. Um, But but as much as we cannot be reactive and be it's it's really within ourselves. Okay. I am solid. I know if somebody walks away from my life, I still have these people who I know I can count on or I will make new friends. I will find my new way. That's a hard place to be, but I think it is, it is, this is more internal work than it is external Mm. work or externally counting on other people. It's internally
1: counting on ourselves. Mm. Okay. I like that. And Sarah, you and I talk a lot about what a great bonding experience it can be when families explore hobbies together. And that makes me think of our sponsor, Carnegie Hall Kids. Carnegie Hall Kids is a free website for kids ages 5 through 12 to learn about music through fun games and quizzes. And they have so many online resources that can help facilitate music education as a family. So if music and culture are a value in your family, I think this is such an easy way to explore that.
0: Yeah, before we started working with Carnegie Hall kids, I knew about Carnegie Hall because of all the famous artists who have performed there over the last, you know, 100 years or so. And now I think it's so great. They're making all that incredible music and history accessible to kids all over the world for free.
1: Yeah. And with summer break around the corner, moms are always looking for some guilt-free screen options to offer their bored kids. I would suggest Carnegie Hall kids' interactive musical explorers around the world map. It teaches kids different musical traditions like Vietnamese folk, cumbia from Colombia, bluegrass and jazz from the US, and a lot more. Yeah, that
0: map is really fun. Well, listeners, whether you're looking for music education you can do as a family or for your kids to explore independently, start the musical journey early and go to kids.carnegiehall.org to check out fun, child friendly games and quizzes.
1: And, you know, it's, it's, it all kinds of goes together because the whole idea of you know when you said make new friends, the first thing I thought was like how, <laughs> where right. am I going to find these people? But it's well, just all like- the divorce ladies hang out at this one corner of the playground. <laughs> They're like by the swings. You should go there. It's super fabulous. <laughs> yeah, it's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really not. Um, but I will say, like, I think what I'm finding is that. So, for example, there's a little, you know, I'm, I do my radio thing and I do this event every couple of weeks at a local bar and restaurant. And I found that this is so funny. It just kind of randomly happened that this woman I've been friends with for years and she's divorced, but we didn't talk a whole bunch about her divorce because it was past, and I wasn't divorced and whatever, um, has started coming and she's bringing other women and several of them are divorced. And now it's like suddenly I had this like little ready-made posse of people to talk oh, to. Nice. But... I I wouldn't necessarily have known that if I hadn't been looking for it or open to it, I guess. It's just – it kind of crossed my path, but I also had to be receptive to it. Right. Um, And I think that that's another thing that is – making new friends or having the time set aside or the mind space to be to do that. It's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Like, I really want to spend my time learning how to play the piano, which is the thing that I thought I was going to focus on for nine months. And guess how many times I've played the piano in the last (laughs) nine months? I'll let you guess. It's probably once. But um, sometimes it's like, I don't know, you say you want to do these things, and then it's harder or more awkward or takes out of... Your regular routine to do them, so you don't. I guess is my point. I feel like I'm rambling, but do you know what I say? Like, yeah. it's not also, easy, so you don't. Your do mental
2: it. energy and your emotional energy is really being zapped. Mm. And so, can you sit down and like play that song you played in high school by heart? Maybe not. Like right. sometimes it's just really hard to make simple decisions. Like you're, it's almost like being pregnant in that way. Like your blood <laughs> is going elsewhere. <laughs> you know, it is not going to the piano. That's okay. Right. Um, and, and, and I think there's, you know, it's okay to be gentle with mm. yourself about how those changes come, just like how those friendships come in and out of your life. It's okay to handle that a little tenderly. Also, there's just like some weird universal thing that like single moms whose kids go to the other parents, like they have visitation or timeshare time. Share time it's never the same days. So, like yeah. you think, oh, I'm going to be <laughs> friends with all these single moms, and then every Wednesday night we're going to go out and get drinks. Wrong. It's going to be the opposite Wednesday night, or it's right. going to be Thursday night. Like it is never going to align. However, starting to meet those people, those women, and having some bonds are great. I've interviewed somebody one time who was like, I'm a single mom who does not hang up with other single moms because I don't want to sit around and complain about my ex the whole time. So while there can be some really positive and energizing um, moments that come from being able to vent and understand what's happening with each other, relate to one another, you know, a lot of... Science says that that really doesn't actually help yeah. us move forward in our lives. And so something to think about as you're considering the openings that you have for people in your lives and friends is like, how much positivity do I need and how much venting do I need and where do I get that good balance? And so it might be great to hang out with those ladies. So fun. Yes, they get my life. And also are we doing fun stuff together and enjoying our lives and like thinking about like, Oh, I want to, you guys want to come together and like I'll take a group jam class. I don't know. It sounds (laughs) super dorky, but in a way that, fuels you and
1: doesn't just keep you mired down in what is already stressful and hurtful and hard. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I have felt, you know, and this is again, something that I still work out. It's, um, venting. It can feel great or it can feel like you just ate too much sugar. And there's sometimes not easy to know in advance, like where that cutoff is. It's like, it feels really good for about five minutes and then there's diminishing returns. And, um, It's good to have people that you can do that if you have to with. But yeah, I agree. There should be some other focus because it does get it can get very negative. And I've already noticed that And it's like how to walk that line between hanging out with people who understand where you are and get where you're coming from. And people who just, you know, or or a dynamic where you're all just wallowing in each other's misery, um, because that's not probably going to be. Super helpful,
2: right? And, and and here's where we can really transition to talking about the stress part because other single moms can be a great resource in understanding when and how you need support. You may be able to say, "Hey, I know you would really like some time to do this, and I would like this some time to do this thing. Can we trade off time? Like, can our kids hang out for an hour?" On this day and then, you know, trade weeks, you can set up some systems with each other so that you can pick up each other's kids in an emergency or if you're going to be late after school. There are some ways that I think being being connected with other single moms and using that to help
1: your own stuff move forward. That can be really helpful and really fueling. Yeah, I really like that. And, and I want to talk a little bit, a little bit more about stress, because like we said, uncertainty and not knowing what's coming up leads to stress. And sometimes it's very literally like, it manifests itself in really weird ways. Um, For a while, I was waking up in a panic around 5am and then not able to go back to sleep. And it was sort of this weird, I never knew it woke me up. It was never a dream. I was just wake up and be like, immediately panicked. And when you're doing that, and you really just want to go back to sleep so you can get one more hour of sleep, or you, you right. just really want to not be a basket case, so you can deal with your day, it's really hard sometimes to in the moment, figure out how to bring yourself down. So can you talk a little bit about how, like just really common sense or not even common sense, but just really like bare strategies for dealing with those stressful moments as they come up? Sure. I mean, your brain's in overdrive, right? right?
2: I mean, you're, it is really that's like lizard brain, yeah. <laughs> kind of things happening where it's you. You feel like you're going to die. Yeah. It can really feel like that, and so, um, of course, you're being snapped out and snapped awake in your life. And I'm sure that you and and most of us who have been through divorce or are going through it or even considering it have symptoms of the stress that surprise us and that uh, are not healthy to live with long-term. Hmm. And I remember the years ago there was a study. This was like right when I was getting divorced of the before and after pictures of people who've gone through divorce (laughs) and like there was a scientific (laughs) formula for how many years it aged your face and I was like well that's great because now I'm going to be
1: divorced and a hundred I'm going to be divorced and like no one will ever talk to me again because they'll think I'm 75 years old exactly like you're never dating again
2: forget it but I um, and when I look back at pictures I can see where it is written on my face all of that stress Mm. and then it changed because then with some brief room, I was able to do things to take care of myself. So the first thing I would say is if your children are spending time with another parent, use the time that you have to release the stress that you can plan something for yourself that feels really good. Mm -hmm. And I am sure you could think up Three things right now that would feel really good to you. Massage is kind of on the top. Of massage that list. <laughs> is on the top. Okay, great. Yeah. So then what you would need to do is, okay, can I afford to buy a package of massages so I can go do that once a week or once a month or whatever it is, it's in your budget. Or can I find like a massage school, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that those creative ways, how am I going to get massage to my, in my life every Wednesday or once a month, whatever that is. So I would say come up with three things that feel really good to do during that time. That when you leave that, your intention is feeling whatever way I would like to feel more at peace. Mm -hmm. I would like to feel um, more empowered. I would like to feel um, really rested, whatever those things are and, and make a list for yourself. So when you have some of that time, you're using it because the time you have parenting, otherwise single parenting, is more intense. Mm. And the all the other stuff happening in your life, all the other negotiations, the grief, the identity shifting, like it's all takes up a lot from you. So I would say just start there. It does not have to be big, like you're not, you don't have to think like, I'm gonna climb Everest, right. you know, it really is. It's small with significant outcomes. I'll share with you that I went to yoga once a week for, I don't know, months. And I cried on my mat in the back of the room a lot of nights. Mm. But I felt so much better when I was done. And eventually, that helps me to remember on Wednesday nights, I need to go to yoga. Yeah. And I can go to the late one because I don't have a kid to come home to. And then I can eat sushi on my floor and watch (laughs) Real Housewives. And all of those things make me feel really good. Yeah. So whatever that might be for you begin there. I think sometimes the sleeping is so tricky because that might involve, you know, it might be helpful to do some, some kind of ritual before you go to bed Mm. to again, set that
1: intention of how you want to feel when you wake up. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really good, a really good, uh, tip. And I think that at that time, my sleep habits were also pretty jacked up in general. So that wasn't helping, you know? Um, It's interesting that you mentioned the self-soothing. Around that time, I also bought myself a heavier blanket. Oh, yeah. Because I found it kept me asleep longer. Yeah, like a a a weighted blanket. There's a
2: lot of people who suggest that. I'm sure there are... 100 essential oils sales ladies (laughs) near you, (laughs) but essential oils or the diffuser that might help. I mean, there's like, there's all those things that if your kid was screaming in the middle of the night, you would think, okay, what am I going to do to get this kid to sleep? Yeah. Do some of that parenting to
1: yourself. And that might, might help with those middle of the night moments. Yeah. I, I love that. And it's, it's like your bedroom can be more than an afterthought for you now. In fact, that's one of the places I really needed to take back for myself Um, was just like the whole process of putting myself to bed had become Mm -hmm. sort of this, like I just flop into bed exhausted at the end of the night. And when I wake up, I wake up. And that was just not like, that wasn't, I kind of needed to create like I would for a baby, Mm -hmm. like a bed, a soothing bedtime ritual. And that Mm -hmm. took me a while to figure out, but. Oh, was it because it was like couple associated? Yeah, I think so. I didn't really spend a lot of time in my bedroom for quite a time for quite some time. And I just didn't really know how to relate to it. Mm -hmm. you know I didn't and one thing I'm going to do at some point is change it around um as soon as like we have the furniture all divvied up and all that and I know what it's going to look like I want to change the paint color and the bedding and all that because I just feel like that's a very symbolic thing and and I didn't know how to relate to my bedroom anymore Mm -hmm. it was a weird little thing and so I was not going I wasn't even getting in bed until I was exhausted and then I was just kind of like you know, trying to fall asleep as fast as possible. And just, I didn't take the time to make it comfy for myself. And Mm so that's, That's, yeah,
2: that's, that's such a great insight, too. Because as soon as we start talking about it, you know, you can think of for yourself, the things that would make that space a sanctuary for you, which would help you de-stress. And that's a really personal decision. I think I also want to mention that you know, just because you use an essential oil or a weighted blanket doesn't mean the stress will go away. Right. But these rituals and patterns, like, it's like, a, you know, healthy begets healthy, just like sleep begets sleep. And the more that we can practice them, the better we can get at taking care of ourselves and and putting ourselves first because um, it's time. Yeah. It's our time to do that. And we yeah. need all of the resources we can so that we can take good care of our kids and ourselves moving forward during a really hard time and well beyond. And so if there are stressors that go beyond, you know, at the root, they're at the root, they go way beyond just not being able to sleep, building up to be able to really address those are important. And so I would always recommend that we consider all of the support in our circle do we have an attorney or a mediator we really trust and we really feel good about? Do we have a therapist who can help address those critical mental health and and emotional issues that are very present for women during times of transition? Do we have a great doctor we can Mm -hmm. go to because we may need physical care as well? Um, And, Obviously, as a coach, I feel like a divorce coach is a great person to be a part of that circle, but it doesn't it doesn't have to be. It can be other people who step in, um, but I would say get the professional help that you need and this professional support that you need and have those professionals that you can confide in um, and, and break down some of the barriers so, you, so that you can really take good care of yourself and be the strongest and healthiest woman you can be. To move through this transition.
1: That's great. Those are great advice, great tips. Um, I, before we wrap up, I just wanted to briefly um, touch on grief. And I feel like grief could be its uh, its own episode. Honestly. It's, yeah, it's its I, own like lifetime of yes. discussion. And I don't want to talk about it too much, because frankly, I don't want to start crying. But no. I, <laughs> I do want to I want to address something, another thing that I think can cause more stress and more anxiety and more uncertainty. And I know the answer is going to be there is no such thing as a formula or whatever. Um, I think at the beginning, and maybe this is just something to kind of put like a reality check for someone at the beginning or even further down in the process than me. But I think at the beginning, I sort of thought that there was like a well of like there was a well of grief, right? And if I could just power through it, if I could just feel as much of it as possible at the beginning, I would like use it all up. <laughs> then it wouldn't be there. You're like, oh, you naive little sweetheart.
2: But <laughs> no, I, but know, it, it is. It makes sense that you're yeah. like, I'm going to power through this and take it all on, like I am a superhero lifting right. a car off of my baby.
1: Yeah, because I can't. <laughs> I know I can't hide from it, and I know it's there, and it has to be worked through, and all that. But I think I almost felt, and I didn't realize this, but I almost felt like there was a finite amount of it, and if. The more I kind of tackled it and allowed myself to feel it, the faster I would get on the other side of that. And I'm realizing now that honestly, it could be potentially endless. Like I could sad myself into a, into more sad for like really the rest of my life. I don't think it will ever, I don't think that's the right strategy. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> now going forward, I don't regret any of the time I've spent listening to sad music and crying. That's fine. It was cathartic for a while, but it's almost like I'm feeling like I need to make a more, I don't know, like, um, almost like a logical decision to limit it or something. And, and maybe, am I wrong? Does that sound like it's like even healthy or, <laughs> or accurate? Or is there like a time when you can just say, okay, I'm feeling all this, but I have to shelve it. Like I have to put it over there without that being, and I know you're not a therapist, but I'm wondering if I'm you can relate therapist. to that feeling. <sighs> you're like, oh, that's well, the, the grief one. is big. Yeah. And, and I,
2: I think it can bubble up, yeah, and we don't anticipate it. And so, our our desire for certainty and control is that we want to be able to control the grief, and that's just that is just not
1: how grief works. Yeah,
2: it's it can be a real surprise. I, as you're talking, I kept thinking about that meditative strategy of like to unthink during meditation, where you're like, some thought comes up, and you're like, bloop, I see you there. I let you go. Right. And, and it reminds me that we, we can say like, Oh, okay, grief. I see you. (laughs) I'm going to release you or I'm going to feel it. And, and probably the formula for everybody looks a little different. I've, I've worked with people who've said like, I need to take this half hour and go cry in my room, or I need to take this day and acknowledge a grief so I can move on. And other people who's like, okay, I can do this meditation. And and I can move through this. Or I'm going to use this to write something or make a right. bracelet, whatever that is. Yes. Um, that really has to come from you. If I told you, Megan, this is how I think you should deal with your grief. Then, then you just do it out of obligation, right. you That's know? True. And, and yeah. then you'd be like, why are you telling me this isn't my grief? You know, it would like <laughs> yeah. lead to more pissed off feelings, but there really has to be something I think to cope with in your own way, time after time. And, And I think really maybe looking back to just say, I'm going to grieve. And as much as I might be mad about these things or this person, there will be grief. And some of that can be for the life that was. And I, you know, I really felt that when I sold those wedding rings, like I grieved all of the good intentions and promises that went into those rings that ultimately were not fulfilled. Right. And I am not in love with that person and I am not unhappy to be divorced. It is probably one of the best, hardest things that I've ever been through. And still it blooped up right there. Bloop. Yep. I had to feel it for a while and be sad about it and tell people who didn't understand and then move forward. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay. And I think just like, just like I did for you, it would look a little bit different and Maybe those are places to get uncomfortable and be okay with uncomfortable, and also consider how much support do I need in my grief? Yeah, if somebody is really, you know, has struggled with their own mental well being and there's a lot of grief, of course, we would want those people to get as much support from their health professionals as they need to move forward, and that might just look really different for each person.
1: Yeah, that's actually very, that's actually very helpful because it's not, it is personal to me. And you're right. If you tried to tell me this is how you should handle it, um, this is how you should make yourself stop crying at random times. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> then I'd be like, well, what do you know, Jessica? I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually right. say that. <laughs> but, but that is the feeling because right. of people deal with everything. Everyone deals with everything differently. And maybe, and maybe that's where we can end this is just that this is a very personal process. It is. Um, some people might appear to fly through it for a long time and then deal with it later, and um, some people have been in the muck for a long time already before they even get to the point where they're thinking about right. it. Right? They so. might have already dealt with it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's okay too to come out and be like, you know, I've already been in, in up to my hips in crud for so long that I don't see this as anything but a positive step and and I've done most of my grieving already I guess it's all it's all okay right it's, a- it's all it's all okay and and you
2: will be okay yeah and and really this is not about a cure for the stress and uncertainty and lack of control it's not about a cure for the stuff that goes along with divorce it's about building practices and using the opportunity to be
1: that best self we know we are and the woman who we want to be. Yeah. Again I've been talking with Jessica Ashley, who is the founder of Single Mom Nation, which is single dash momnation.com. Did I get that right, Jessica? You got it right. Okay, cool. Um, And Jessica, tell us where we can find out more about your coaching services and how someone can sign up with you um, as a divorce coach.
2: Yeah, you can head on over to jessica-ashley.com. And actually, I've just, in honor of the Mom Hour, put up a few packages at a very special rate just for your listeners. There are just three of them left. And so if you'd like to get started and, and have a conversation
1: about how that might look for you or for a friend. That's Jessica Ashley.com. Jessica Ashley.com. And do they have to do anything special to get to the mom hour special package? No, nope, you just... can just click through and you will see it all right there for you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. It's been lovely talking to you. I know you're going to help a whole lot of women. Thank you so much for having me. Be well.